the, the fourth sonata is to me one of the great, not unknown, but somewhat neglected masterpieces of, of Beethoven. Uh, this is written only two years later than Opus 2. It's, it's under Opus 7. It's dedicated to, to the Countess Babet Keglovich, of whom we know very little. Uh, but she, she was a pupil of Beethoven's and she must have been an extraordinary gifted pianist and a very good one because this is an unbelievably uh, demanding and, and difficult piece to play and to comprehend. Uh, it's a huge sonata in four movements again. Um, only the Hammerklavier sonata, Opus 106, is longer than this. But it's of extraordinary expression and, and character and depth and very subtle. Uh, let me play the exposition of the first movement. So this is already like a, like a new language and it's really just, just one or two years later. Uh, he's not using great melodic themes here because you have this... this, this uh, 
uh, it's in 6-8 time, and this is molto allegro e con brio, so it's, it's, it's very lively and with, with great vigor. And one, one can hear these repeated E-flats, they are like being played by the horn because the horn can, can do this you know and you hear just uh, scales going up and down and, and in contrary motion and then the First big event is when you, we are going towards the subdominant, and the, and then he, he he reaches the dominant, and this is the first lyrical theme. Full theme. I love this because it's like ich liebe dich, ich liebe. Maybe he was in love with this Babet Keglovich. We don't know. Um, now, a, a relatively short development section because in Opus 2 we had very long development sections, but it's very dramatic. Uh, a recapitulation by Beethoven is never mechanical. It's always something different. Uh, the exposition started piano and the return is in fortissimo and triumphant. And you could hear that again the, the repeated quaver movement, you know. Here. That even a, a rhythmic pattern can be a motive not just a melodic one. And uh, this is wonderful, this... Uh, sort of pleading and, and very lyrical. Uh, so then the end of the movement is again very orchestral and you can almost hear a timpani, a drum roll.
here. To me, this, this is one of the greatest slow movements in the history of music to me. Uh, largo con gran espressione. Again, it's an extraordinary inscription already. And it's in third related key. We were in E flat major. Again, something that Schubert liked to use later. And what is new in this music, again, it's, it's like a new dimension of extraordinary depth. And this is achieved by, by silence. Again, the, the rests are crucially important. And then it continues in this, this manner. It's again an ABA form. And the middle section is again similar to that what we had in the second sonata, where we have pizzicato accompaniment, and above that, uh, like chorale. sonorities. Um, then comes again something very rhetorical, dramatic questions. It's a pianissimo, like, like a, a scared little bird, he answers then. Then he writes again, an octave two octaves in, in G, and he writes for us a crescendo. I mean, he knows very well this is impossible, because I cannot do a crescendo, <laughs> only if I stand up like, no. <laughs> so somehow we have to suggest the illusion of a crescendo, but this is again Beethoven who, who does not know compromises. He, he asks for the impossible. And then the end of the movement. scherzo movement, which is again looking forward to Schubert. 
This is the only one that does not start with an upbeat. It starts with the downbeat, but it's a very lyrical. Schubert is Beethovenian, or Beethoven is Schubertian. And the middle section, the, the trio of this is extraordinary because it's in E-flat minor, and it's very dramatic. Pianissimo with sudden sforzandi. This is obviously Schubert. So again, we have this connection here. And finally comes this wonderful last movement, which is one of the most glorious melodies of Beethoven or of anybody. It's marked uh, Poco Allegretto, Rondo Poco Allegretto e Grazioso. This is the rondo theme that he will bring back in different forms. Uh, it is also a, a sonata rondo, so the different materials appear in, in different keys. And like the second sonata, this also has a, a beauty and the beast episode. Uh, um, semi-quavers, accompaniment, and, and very strong, very thick, heavy chords in fortissimo. Very basic music uh, contrasted with something very, very refined and very sophisticated. And then comes a, a wonderful mo moment towards the end of this movement where Beethoven modulates from key of E-flat major to the very remote Napolitan key of E major. Uh, again, he would not have done this had he not been a pupil of Haydn. Because if you know Haydn's last sonata, 
This is the first movement. Second movement is E major. So it's very remote. So how does Beethoven do this? Uh, is floating in this E major and then steps back and now back to E flat and then we had before the B style you know the beast is tamed here, and he becomes a friend, and, uh, and Beethoven somehow waves farewell to us. Yes, so I think I just play for you this last movement, and then Thank you for your patience. <laughs> 